Thanks for tuning in to the More with Nikki Dutton podcast. Today, we are talking all things women in leadership. So I have my friend Bethany Hammer on the podcast. She is on the Propel Women team. And if you have been around for a while, you will be familiar with that name because Propel Women has been a big part of my story. So she is going to be talking a little bit about a new aspect of Propel Women called Propel Ecclesia. But even beyond that, we're talking about our own experiences, what we saw growing up of women in leadership, specifically within the church, what we have learned through seminary and our master's program about how women function within the body of believers, and just some of the challenges that women encounter and what makes being a woman in leadership, especially within a faith context, sometimes very challenging. So that's what today's conversation is about. It made me think a lot about the first two episodes from this year, uh, What God Thinks about women part one and part two with Sherry Brown and Dana Bort. So I'm going to link those below because I think that those are just a really good supplement to this conversation, but I don't want to delay anymore. So here it is my conversation with my friend, Bethany Hammer. Many of us have our skincare regimens and kind of our go-to products. And for me, I will always be a Beauty Counter fan. I have used Beauty Counter for the last four years and it's my everyday for my face wash, toner, and moisturizer. I use the Counter Control line and I probably will forever. It's the perfect combination for my skin that doesn't leave it feeling too dry, but also like it doesn't have a ton of product. And Beauty Counter is a clean beauty brand that focuses on getting safer products into the hands of everyone. They stand on three pillars. There's education, formulation, and advocacy. Educating consumers on the need for safer products, formulating clean and high-performing products that are rigorously screened to ensure safety with each batch, and advocating at both the state and federal level for more health protective laws. So I love that I can feel confident about the products that I'm using on my face, especially because I'm using these twice a day. And so I can know that it is a good batch and it is good for me and for my body. So like I said, try Beauty Counter, and when you do, you can actually use the link in the description and promo code CLEANFORALL20 to get 20% off of your first order. So go to Beauty Counter using the link in my episode description and use the promo code CLEANFORALL20, all caps, no spaces, to get 20% off of your first Beauty Counter order. All right, Bethany, we've worked on two different teams, but they kind of coexist at the same time, and we can talk about that, but we get to each week be on one team meeting. So I see your face a lot, but I'm glad that we actually get to have some time to get to know each other better. So for people who are meeting you today, can you tell them who you are, what life looks like, and kind of how we got connected? Yeah, well, I am so excited to be here with you, Nikki. Thanks for including me on your podcast. So uh, I am a mom of three. I have a 14 and 11 and an almost seven-year-old. I was a family pastor at our church for 15 years. My husband works there as well as the worship pastor. And uh, currently right now, I am the coordinator of Propel Ecclesia. And as you kind of just said, we we get to see each other every week, which is awesome, uh, part of A21 and Equip and Empower Ministries. And we get together for our weekly calls uh, at our California team, even though neither of yeah. us are in California. <laughs> neither so. of us are 
even West Coast. That's the thing that's crazy is neither of us are even in that time zone. But being like kind of a part of the remote team, we get to call in on and always hear them talk about the weather, how beautiful it is, all the good things about being California based. Yes. 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 As I'm looking out my window and it's snowing half the time that they're saying, oh, how beautiful is it? Yes. Yes. And I mean, I feel like they're just as mesmerized by your snow as we are by the sand and the beaches, yes. you know, yes. it's a little bit we'll of a trade off. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, that's kind of how we got connected. And I've said this many times, but Propel has been such a big part of my story because I was in the room at my college when Propel launched, like when Propel Women like had its first step publicly, so cool. which is so crazy. Like just a God thing that I was in the room. And I mean, honestly, I didn't think like, oh, that's going to be my future or anything like that. I just thought, wow, what an awesome thing. I'm really glad to know about this. And then fast forward, I think it was probably five or six years later, I was at a Propel Activate event, heard about the uh, master's program at Wheaton turned up for that. And it was like just a completely a game changer for me. That's how I even ended up at A21. So I know Propel is like so near and dear to both of us, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Propel fits into that um, part of the organization with equipment and power. And, and that's what I love so much about Propel. It's um, so much of that we're coming alongside women because we know that that women desire to make an impact in the world for God's kingdom, no matter what type of leadership we're in, whether that means we're a mom or we're in the marketplace or we're a teacher or we're in church ministry or parachurch ministry, but just believing that all women are sent into the harvest field mm. to use their unique passions and talents to influence the world for the gospel and, and well, what yeah. a gift that is. Uh, and that's what I saw firsthand for sure. I mean, at the Activate event, like you had women of all ages, stages, life stations, everything, yeah. backgrounds, all in one room, all trying to take whatever our next step was in pursuing yes. more in our calling or in our relationship with the Lord or whatever our assignment we felt like from, from the Lord was. The same thing happened in the master's program. And then um, we were speaking of California, I got to start my time at A21 and Propel Women out in California, volunteering in our office there. And when I was there, I did a little bit with Propel Chapters, which was such a cool thing, like seeing different women meet all over the country, all over the world, really. So I know like you said that um, Propel is meant to help empower women and kind of help them reach that next level. But what was your experience like? growing up? I mean, just tell us a little bit of your story and what did you see, especially when it came to women in leadership within the church? I would just love to know what that was like for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually grew up in a tradition where women were not even allowed behind the altar. So I had to wear um, a dress every Sunday with itchy tights. I still hate tights. (laughs) It like traumatized you. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, So it wasn't something that I saw women in leadership positions unless they were teaching Sunday school Mm. to kids or they were helping in the kitchen area or 
They were helping with prep for something, uh, for an event, uh, putting floral decorations together, that type of thing. But I never saw women, definitely never in the pulpit, um, even the the boys, like we had altar boys and mm-hmm. um, boys were allowed because of their gender um, be, um, behind the altar. So I grew up very much in uh, a setting where it was not normal to see women mm-hmm. preach. It was not normal to see women in any type of leadership position. And, and that was really uncomfortable for me, to be honest with you, when I actually did see a woman for the first time at a church. Um, we stopped going to that that church that I grew up in when I was in fifth grade. And we, because of just some uh, things with health things within my family, we actually yeah. stopped going to church for three years. And when we started going back to church, we went into a different denomination, and that denomination did believe in uh, the Spirit gifting women as the Spirit gifts men. And so women would be preaching, and I remember even as an eighth grader being like, this is weird. This Mm -hmm. is uncomfortable. Like, I did not prefer it. I was very... um, and I didn't have a reason, right? My, right? my reason was I just had never seen it. So it just right. felt uncomfortable to me. Uh, so it wasn't until I was in, actually out of college, and a very good friend of mine, Tara Beth Leach, uh, started preaching at our church. We were both on staff at our church. She was in student ministries. I was in children's ministries. And she was also part of the teaching team on Sunday mornings. So she would preach once a month uh, or so. And I had this tension of, I'm good friends with you. I want to support you. At the same time, this still feels uncomfortable to me. And so it wasn't truly until I saw it more and more. And I was, it's so funny too, because I was in a position where I was to some degree pastoring families because of my role was in children's ministries. And I was leading over our children's ministry department, which, I mean, we had over 500 kids. So, I mean, it wasn't small. Um, I was very interactive with the families, but I still don't think that I fully understood the uh, breath of the spirit on myself and on women until I studied it in seminary. And I really dug deep into the scriptures and understanding the context and the history of how the scriptures were written. And one of my professors, I remember very specifically, he actually, when he was in seminary, he wrote a paper on why women shouldn't be pastors. Interesting. Interesting. And And then now he was teaching you. Yes. And he was teaching me from the mindset of women should and are called and are equally as important in the body as men. And so to have somebody go from that extreme, uh, mm-hmm. it was, it was a gift to me because it was almost kind of like what I went through, right? I went through that women shouldn't be doing this. And then to be on the other side and say, wow, when I actually look at the scripture and I study the context of it, I missed so much for so long. And yeah. I really, truly believe that my journey would have looked different had I had an example of women pastoring and preaching right. when I was younger, instead of seeing that and accepting that even after college, right. I think that my my path 
I think I would have been pastoring in a different way yeah. um, much earlier. Uh, yeah, I can resonate with that because my family moved around a lot growing up. And so we were in and out of houses, which meant we were definitely in and out of churches. Like just finding that consistent church body was not really a thing for me growing up. So there were years where my family was in church. There were years where they weren't. And in my family unit, it was me, my mom, my dad, and my sister. So my dad had all these girls I never grew up thinking there were limitations. I never knew there were limitations Mm -hmm. in sports, in work, in career. There was never a limitation. And then I remember um, we moved to Georgia when I was in middle school. And that's where I really stepped into a consistent routine and became a part of a youth group and got baptized. And it was amazing. And I was going to a Southern Baptist church here in Georgia who I love to this day, have great relationships there. However, in that church, there were not as many women leading in areas outside of children and maybe sometimes within student ministry, but not really from stage um, outside of like worship and song and things like that. Um, And just that's where I started to kind of, for the first time in my life, brush up against that there were differences from that perspective of where women could speak, where women could minister, or not even that there were, uh, I guess, boundaries, but just like the habit, the practice was that you didn't really see women as elders. You didn't see them teaching from stage on Sunday mornings. Um, They were kind of reserved to different parts of the church. And then that started this really unique kind of battle in my own mind, because then as I stepped into college, I had the experience that you're saying it would have been helpful if you had. I had someone who said, hey, I see this gift on your life. I think that you should lean into this and opened up a lot of doors. But then there became this tension of, well, this body that I love so much and that I've like watched and have grown up in has a different feeling than, or a different thought or a different philosophy or theology than what my experience is and what I'm being championed to do. And so I can definitely relate to that tension. And I would love to know, what do you think are some of the misconceptions about women in leadership as you've been in these places yourself, but also as you've started to reach out and to help other women, what are some of the misconceptions that you see or what are kind of the hangups that are happening? Yeah. So one, one hangup that, that I see a lot and I've experienced myself is imposter syndrome. Yeah. And that feeling, right, that I'm not good enough. Someone else can do this better than me. Clearly, I'm not the right person for this. And and I just want to say, and I'm saying this as much to myself as to other women, mm-hmm. that that is the lies of the enemy. That yeah. is not what God says. And so much of um, what I've had to process through, because I personally, I'm very critical of myself. That is, unfortunately, my my nature is to be very critical of myself. And I will constantly have to stop and say, is that the voice of God mm-hmm. or is that the voice of the enemy? And, and so much of imposter syndrome, of course, the enemy wants to tell us that we're not good enough, that somebody else can do it better. And I just want to say, uh, May God's voice just be louder in yeah. those moments that we would hear the truth of what 
God says and who God says we are and what God has called us to. Because when I look back, I think how many opportunities did God have before me that I missed? And I don't want to live my life like that. I want to live my life to be a vessel for God's kingdom, whatever that looks like. And, And when I look at myself and I have such critical and negative thoughts, sometimes it's like, well, that's holding me back. That's really an insult towards God, not not even towards myself. Like God's like, no, I called you to it. Do you not trust me? Yeah. And and yeah. so I think there's just that that misconception that we are not good enough. I think that um, the other thing, especially with with women, is we feel threatened by each other sometimes, mm. and. In that state, sometimes we don't become as supportive of other women. Yeah. And when I look at that, I I just have to even remind myself too, because of that, like I'm always judging myself, comparing myself to somebody else, but maybe God called them to do something that he didn't call me to do. And that's okay. I don't need to do everything, right? Mm-hmm. I, I want to live into the calling that God has for me specifically, but just to say that there's enough seats around the table. There doesn't have to just be one seat there. There's five seats. Let's not be threatened by one another, but let's sit together and support and lift up and champion one another. So I think that those are things as a woman myself that I have to remember that that people are for me, not against me, mm-hmm. and that God has called me into something and I am worthy to what yeah. he has called me to. Yeah, I, I think the scarcity mentality is so rampant in my life yes. and in the church right now. It We feel like everything is a scarce resource. And I think some of that comes because our comes from the fact that our time and our attention has become so small that you feel like you're constantly competing for airtime, for space, for attention, for validation. It just, it does feel like a scarce resource, but that's where I think you're saying that we we have a different opportunity as women in the church today and in the kingdom of God to flip that on its head and to say there are plenty of seats at the table. Your mm-hmm. church is not the capital of the kingdom, just like my church is not the capital of the kingdom. Absolutely. And there's a lot of room and there are a lot of, I, I love the idea that there's a lot of harvesting to do. It's a big, big field and there Huge. is need for a lot of hands and a lot of workers. And so, and we all get to play an important part in that. And my part might look different than your part, but that's not because one is more valuable or more more attainable or attestable than the other. I think that's a really big point that you made there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are all chosen. We are mm-hmm. chosen for a specific purpose. And it, it's yeah. up to us to choose to live out that purpose or to say, oh, I'm not good enough, so I'm not going to follow yes. through with it. Yeah, well, and we're talking about the misconceptions, kind of the lies or the things that can detract, can keep us away from those positions, those places, those people, those missions, whatever it might be that we feel like God has called us to, but we hesitate to take that step because of these lies or these things that hold us back. 
Um, But what would you say on the other side of that, especially now that you've gone through seminary, you've wrestled through this idea on your own, how would you articulate God's heart and design for women, especially as it looks in leadership or within the church? I think there is a big breadth there of what that can look like because women in general represent so many different types of facets of humanity and of homes and of communities. But how would you describe um, and articulate God's heart and design for women? Yeah, I think we have this opportunity to co-labor. I think that women have a chance to co-labor with God and with men and men with women. I think there's something beautiful when you can sit around a table and have different perspectives. And the fact of the matter is, I am not a male. I am a woman and a man (laughs) is not a woman. They're a man. And so when we sit around the table and we have our, our viewpoints, I don't know what it's like to be a dad. I know what it's like to be a mom. I uh, can, I don't know what it's like to be a brother. I know what it's like to be a sister. So there's that, that space of saying your lived experience is different than my lived experience and both are important. And so to come together and co-labor and bring our different perspectives can only be impactful to our congregations and the people around us because the people that we're doing life with are men and women. And so we're sitting in this space of, I can't speak for what a man's experience will be like because I haven't experienced that and vice versa. So I think, you know, God's heart and design for women is the same as men Mm -hmm. is to collaborate with one another and to share our different perspectives, to share different life experiences. Um, Because when we sit at a table and there's only men there, or there's only women there, mm-hmm. then what are we representing? We're making decisions for people in our church or in our organizations or whatever that are both male and female. And that's where, you, you know, I think that's, it's a, you could say the same thing in so many different contexts with bringing in diversity of age, of race, and, and gender. I think all of those are so important to have sitting at the table to bring different perspectives so that we can see things from all different points of view. I think, honestly, seminary really shaped that a lot for me. And one of the classes I took, it was called Gospel and Acts. And our professor actually assigned each of us a different character. So he put us into smaller groups. So I had a group of four or five people in my group. And we were all a different character. Uh, We would be a character from first century context, And he challenged each of us then. He would tell us about our character, who we were. I was a 14-year-old slave male. And he would reveal a little bit about my story each week. But then what my challenge was, was to read the gospel that I was reading through the lens of that character. Hmm. And he would say, now... When you get together, all of you, your five people in your group, um, talk about what was your experience reading it and how did you read it differently from a 21st century white woman? Mm -hmm. And it is a different context and a different perception. 
And so I just say that to say that so much of our lived experience drives how we read things, how we make decisions. And if we are solely making decisions through one set of eyes, um, then we're missing out on the fullness of what God has intended. At Resera, they believe that jewelry should be meaningful. Every piece is designed with this in mind to serve as a daily reminder of important values, stories, or people in your life. That's exactly what my necklace is. I have this gold necklace that's a little circle and it has a dot, dot, dot on it. And it's a part of the Stephanie Bear collection. And it's meant to be a marker for this season of hopeful expectation as Scott and I are in the waiting of adding children to our family. And I love it so much. And it's been such a beautiful thing to have during this time. And I love that Resera has become a partner of this podcast because if you shop their jewelry online, which I highly recommend for yourself or for a birthday or any holiday coming up for a lady in your life, you are not only getting a beautiful piece of jewelry, but you're also supporting a powerful mission. Resera's mission is to employ and empower women of survivors of homelessness and domestic violence. They offer makers a living wage, one-on-one financial counseling, food and clothing assistance, and referrals to free mental health counseling. So don't wait visit www.resera.com slash Nick Dutton or use promo code Nick Dutton for 15% off of your purchase and show me what you decide to buy. Again, that's www.resera.com slash N-I-K-K-D-U-T-T-O-N or use promo code Nick Dutton for 15% off of your first Resera purchase. I think too, I mean, I remember as I started unpacking and wrestling this in my own theology and in my own practice of faith and ministry, I was thinking about that, that it's really easy then to swing to the other side and to go to the other extreme and just amplify women, amplify women, amplify women, and almost cut down and detract from men who are in leadership spaces. Or like you said, it can happen in a variety of diversity factors, even when you're talking about age, being a part of one generation and saying, well, this generation should have this influence and should have this opportunity versus this one. It can, again, going back to that scarcity mindset, it can become this idea that these opportunities are scarce and that this time is scarce and this space is scarce and also that we're having to compete to fill these spaces. And what I hear you saying is that really God's design is for there to be a collaboration and that we serve a God who exists outside of time, outside of history, outside of all of humanity. And he has orchestrated all pieces to fit together, to make a whole. Yeah. And we see that so often in, in scripture. Uh, we we see Phoebe with Paul. And, you know, there is context there to say that that Phoebe was the letter carrier for the, mm. for the letter to the Romans. And what a gift that Paul partnered together with Phoebe and the work that they were able to do together. I mean, she supported him financially and then to take this letter. And and we know that if you are a letter carrier, that means that you're representing the content that is in that, that letter. So not only are you performing and reading this letter aloud to the people, but they might ask you questions and you have to be able to answer them. So it's just, you look at scripture and you see, wow, I 
Phoebe is like in two verses, I think, maybe even one. I, I can't remember specifically. It's Romans 16. But I, I look at that and I'm like, how, I have read Romans before and I just totally missed her. Like, oh, but yet she was completely. so significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you even think about people in our own lives that have been that way. I, I shared my experience of starting kind of my real walk with Jesus as a middle schooler, high schooler at this church in Georgia. Like I said, who I still love and adore. And even yeah. though I didn't see women in the pulpit on Sunday, even though I didn't see them preaching from stage, we did have a youth leader. Her name was Miss Kim, who was kind of the right hand to our youth pastor. And even though she wasn't the one who was on stage, even though she wasn't the one who was making these big moves that you would kind of classify as traditional, she was the one who was sitting with us. And she was the one who was taking us through scripture. I remember she had a Bible study where she took us through Revelations, which, wow, like leading high schoolers through the book of Revelation is <laughs> insane. What, yeah. what a daunting task, you know? And Very much so. She would sit with us at summer camp and she would walk, walk us through life and uh, she served as my first mentor. And so in a lot of ways, she was carrying a mantle. She was carrying an assignment that was so powerful, even within a context where it wasn't being outworked kind of in the ways like you and I are saying. And so there are so many Phoebes, there are so many people in history, in scripture, and in our lives that we can look to, and they can kind of give us that courage and that confidence then to lean into whatever the Lord's asking us to do. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's beautiful when we look at it. We, mm-hmm. You really have to study it and to see it because we do, we glance over it so much. It's so easy to miss, yes. And mm-hmm. so I think this mm-hmm. is a perfect transition. I want to talk about Propel Ecclesia. Like I've yeah. said already, Propel Women is my heart and soul. Love Propel, like could not be more grateful that my life intersected with Propel years ago and that I get to continue to simultaneously sort of be a part of it, like here and there. Um, but I want to know more about Propel Ecclesia because this is new and it's a mm-hmm. little bit unfamiliar to me. So can you just explain what Propel Ecclesia is and also why it is, why it exists? Yeah, absolutely. So goodness, um, being a woman in ministry for as long as I was, I can look back at some of the situations that I went through and I can now identify some things that were not okay. Mm-hmm. And we know that that many women in ministry do struggle and they struggle not only to um find support, but they, I remember sitting at my computer, my first day of work and I had been an elementary school teacher. So I was like, I went to school to be an elementary school teacher. I didn't go to school to know how to lead teams and understand theology. And so I just sat at my computer, just lost. And so I think so many women, like I wanted to be the most effective leader I could be, but I didn't even know where to begin to do that. And that is part of why we have started Propel Ecclesia because there it, it's hard being a woman in ministry can be really hard. Um, and I wanted to be the most effective leader that I could be. I think we all do, right? We want to be the most effective for what God has called us to do. And so Propel Ecclesia comes alongside women, equips and empowers women with coaching, with resources, with community that women need to fulfill their God-given leadership potential. And we have women 
that have been in ministry for 30 years. We have women that are just starting out or have been in ministry for five years. We have minist- We have women that are coming and saying, I know that God is doing something in me right now. And I cannot define what it is and what that looks like. But I know that God is stirring something within me, a calling within me to minister and to serve him in ministry. But I don't know how to take that next step. And so that is really what we created is we wanted to come alongside women to say, hey, there's a there's a space for you at this at the table. You don't have to sit alone anymore. And we wanted to build relationships with other women in similar contexts. Because especially too, if you're at a church, you can't talk to your congregation about your struggles. Those that's yeah. those are the people you're pastoring to. Right. They're you know, there's an appropriate level there of of relationship. And just to say too that Propel Ecclesia exists for any woman in ministry. And that, you know, I believe we're all in ministry, right? Whether we're in the marketplace, whether we're at home, what whatever. I mean, there are we are all in ministry. Um Ecclesia exists specifically for the for the context of ministry in churches, in parachurch ministry, um, whether you're volunteering at your church as an elder or on the board or um, in a leadership position, whether you are a children's ministry, a small group leader, a women's ministry, if you're an author, if you're writing Christian books, if you're a songwriter and you're writing Christian songs, I mean, whatever that that context looks like, there's a nuance to it. Mm. And when you can sit around a table with people who understand it just because they're in it too, it just is a space where depth and growth can take place. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a five month cohort experience. So you're in a cohort with like nine to 12 different women. We have amazing coaches. All of them have over 15 years of actual ministry experience that walk with these women through the five months of Mm -hmm. the cohort experience. And our, our goal, our purpose is to equip women with the resources that they need, empower them in the coaching and the community, and that it's a foundation that will continue to build on even past these five months. So yeah, you're in the cohort for five months, but what we've seen is how many of the cohorts have now these lasting lifelong friendships with, with each other that is going that are going to continue to support them in their ministry context for years and years and years yeah. down the line. This is just planting a seed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for the Wheaton College uh, master's program that I did through Propel, we were in a cohort as well. It was kind of my first time having a cohort experience. So it was similar. Um, It was a little bit larger. There was a group of about 20, 22 of us per cohort. And um, I just remember, of course, the master's program was amazing. The classes, the professors, the books, all of that. But what I would do over and over and over and over again is getting to sit with those women for a few days out of the year and just talk about real life. I mean, we would read Mm -hmm. these books. We would have these professors. Um, There would be these big topics that would come up about faith and church and religion and God and theology. But then to actually sit with these women who I had formed real life friendships with and to work that out together was just 
probably one of the most valuable experiences I've had. And so, I mean, I have not been in an, in an Ecclesia cohort, but being in another Propel Women cohort, I can attest that it was just a really powerful place. And I think that there's just something really significant to having space set aside where you know that you have permission to think about these things. You have space to read about these things, to discuss these things, because life can just be one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And so maybe something kind of comes up, but you just have to keep on with your life and your family and your school or whatever your, you know, patterns and routines are that I think the cohort model, especially with space that's carved out for you to really wrestle with what you're thinking and how you're feeling and what you're experiencing is really powerful. And it can be really, really healing as well. I know for women in our cohort, uh, they had had some very, very difficult experiences within the church being women in leadership. And so Mm -hmm. getting to shed a tear or just share a very vulnerable, real experience was so life-giving. And like I said, I have the privilege of being in this cohort in my mid-20s. And so it really has set the pace for what I believe about women in leadership and what I see and how I feel like I can pursue my calling and encourage my friends to do the same. So I would love to hear too, like, is there a story that comes to mind or is there a situation that you've seen so far that just stands out to you that kind of represents what this program is about? Yeah, so that's that's a great question. We have so many women that that come back to us and say this has changed my life. And you know, I, I'm just gonna read a couple of quotes that we've heard from women because they can say it in a way that is so much yeah. um, more uh, in depth than I can. But for example, this one is uh, uh, her name is Lauren, and she's a creative pastor at our church. She said, "Propel Ecclesia changed my life." I encourage all women who feel the calling into ministry, whatever that may be, wherever that may be, to really consider doing this program. Don't think that you're too unknown, too small of a ministry, too uneducated, too inexperienced. Um, from women who felt, from a woman who felt all that, I can tell you that these women will pour into you, empower you, and God will use this ministry like nothing you have experienced before. Um, women talk about how Propel Ecclesia has equipped me to take more steps outside of my comfort zone and grow in my leadership both in and outside the church, shaking off the residue of imposter syndrome like we were talking about earlier, walking boldly in my God-given authority and gifting that has nothing to do with a title. And um, and, and women are saying yes more to yeah. things that they never would have had the courage to say yes to. In our at our end of the cohort celebration, we always ask the question, uh, what has God done through this experience? And I can't tell you how many women have said confidence. I have, I have gotten a confidence that I know God has called me to that I've never had before. And uh, we can't do this alone. We need each other to come alongside each other, to support one another, to remind us of that calling, to empower one another. Uh, one woman said that without Ecclesia, I would have quit ministry. 
and maybe mm-hmm. even walked away from Jesus, but God is here and alive. Um, that their foundation in Jesus was covered in rocks, but Ecclesia swept them away. And I know that that is nothing that we do ourselves. We can we can create all this content and all these spaces for relationships to be built. But at the end of the day, God takes this to a place that we could never take it. Yeah. And it's just been so amazing to see how the Holy Spirit has just been so present in these spaces where women are coming out of this on the other side saying, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I would have done without this. I would have quit ministry, you know, and we, and again, we want to just tear down those walls and say, no, God has called you to this. You are worthy. You are capable. Let's go into the harvest together it's plentiful. Let's go mm-hmm. preach the gospel in, in hope. It's like you were saying, you know, like in, in your cohort, yes, there's, there's a space to lament, but we can't forget that on the end of lament, there is hope. And that is what we are about. We are about the hope that we have in Jesus, both in us and through us. And what a privilege it is that we get to serve yeah. our God to preach the gospel. Yeah. Whatever I mean, it, context it, that might look like. Right. It, it is a privilege. And, and I like that it represents so many contexts, that there are so many different forms and fashions that this can look like. Like one of the quotes you read was from a creative pastor. So that can be someone who is doing the marketing, the media, those types of yep. things for a church. I know you talked about it could be someone who's a songwriter. Uh, it could be someone who's a volunteer. Man, out of all the churches I've been to, there are so many many women who have served so faithfully for decades. I just was at coffee this morning with one where she has been in her church and has been serving in children's ministry and has now kind of gotten to a leadership role in that ministry. And there's just so many of us that are doing ministry in a variety of ways that this could be a really effective tool that the Lord can use in your life just to help you reach into that next level, whatever that might be for that person. And so I would love to know if there's someone that's listening and they think, wow, that sounds amazing, but I don't have the time or I don't have Mm -hmm. the resources or I don't have the support. I don't have a church that will pay for me to do this. What would you say to someone who is facing very real obstacles to participating in Propel Ecclesia? Yeah. So I first want to say, and I've said this a couple of times, that you are worth investing in. Because I do think as women, sometimes we think we're being selfish by investing in ourselves, but really you're investing in what God is doing in and through you. And so that is worth it. So um, yes, I would definitely say uh, if you have a church, if you're blessed enough to have a church that will come alongside you, uh, definitely invite the church to do that. Um, But if you don't, there's still other people out there. The church is not a building. The church is a gathering of people. And so who are the people in your life that would love nothing more than to come alongside and champion you in what you are doing, what God is doing in and through you? And uh, we have a sponsorship template that is on our website that is available for women. And we've basically just said, hey, here's some of the content. Now go ahead and take it and make it your own. But that way you don't have to create something from scratch. But I would say invite boldly. And and I use, intentionally, I use the word invite. You're not 
asking somebody to do your do you a favor. You're inviting them to partner with God, to partner with you in what God is doing in your life. It is an invitation. And if you don't invite them, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. But there's a chance that the answer is yes, too. And would yeah. you have missed out on what God had for you? Like I was saying earlier, like, I wonder how much I've missed out on because I didn't step into that. I, I want to just say, if God is inviting you to step into this, invite others to come alongside you mm-hmm. to support you in that. Yeah. It is an invitation yeah. and a privilege. Yeah. Well, I would love to know too, um, just kind of as we're wrapping up, I have two more questions for you. My last question kind of in this realm are, what are practical examples of ways that we can champion and encourage the women around us in our churches, our families, our friend groups, like outside of Propel Ecclesia, what are some just practical examples of things that I can do to support the women around me? I think one of the greatest things that we can do is when we see a gifting within somebody is to name it. Again, because women a lot of times too have imposter syndrome, we don't necessarily believe that about ourselves. So if somebody Mm -hmm. else notices it and not just notices it, but actually tells us that they notice it and encourages us in that, I think that is a beautiful gift. I also think too is there are a lot of things I can do on my own and might be easier for me to just do myself, but who is God inviting in to do that alongside me? And it's, again, it's not just about me. A a lot of times like working in children's ministries, it was like, oh, it's just easier for me to just do it than to take the time to explain to somebody else how to do it. But then Somebody else is missing out on an opportunity Mm -hmm. and I'm missing out on an opportunity to to get to know them and to partner with them and to see what God is doing in their lives. So I just think that invitation um, to recognize the gifting in somebody else and inviting them to use that gifting and to serve And, and even in our neighborhoods too. You know, I've thought about um, even just starting prayer groups. I know a a friend of mine, Uh, right before school started, invited moms over uh, the first day of school. And she had like charcuterie and a bunch of different Mm -hmm. apps out. And they sat together and they prayed for the kids that were walking into Mm -hmm. their schools for the first time um, to start off the school year. So there's so many different ways that we can come alongside, we can gather, we can encourage. Uh, I very much so see Christianity and a relationship with God in the vertical and the horizontal. And it's not just about me and God, but it's about co-laboring and being together and encouraging and equipping and empowering one another horizontally. And so where are those spaces that God's inviting us to do that? Yeah. Yeah. I think those are all wonderful examples and hopefully it just kind of gets the the ball rolling about thinking about your neighborhood, your context, the people that you're already brushing shoulders with and just brainstorming how you might be able to engage with them in a, in a way that's fresh or in a way that is pointed, that has a purpose, whether that's prayer, encouragement, whatever that might be. I think those are really good examples. And the last question that I would love to know is we talk about this podcast being more for you, for Bethany, what has more looked like in your life just over the last few weeks or just this season? Yeah, so I'm in a unique season right now. I'm in the sandwich years where I'm caring for my father and I am also 
caring for my children. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's hard to also care for myself and care for my spouse and care for friendships in the midst of all that. And, and I think in having a conversation with a friend of mine where I was really at like a low, to be honest with you, I was like, I feel like I have no more to give. And she said, what are you doing for you? Like, what is the thing? What is your outlet where you can unwind and unplug and just be present, whether that's um, going for walks or a a friend of mine is a a horseback rider. So she, Mm. that's her therapy time is to just go out and, and to ride. And um, for me, I, and and this is my confession. I haven't done this yet. I haven't done the more, right. I've been encouraged to do Mm. it, but I haven't followed through, through with it. I would love to do like an art class. Like for me, I am not a good artist, but I enjoy it. I, my kids have this, uh, program on YouTube called art hub for kids. And I do it too, because it's so therapeutic for me. I'm like, you guys want to do an art hub for kids? I'm like, mom, can we do something else? I'm like, no guys, it's so fun. Please. I have my watercolor pencils. I'm like, but I do, I enjoy it. But I feel like as an adult, I'm like, what art classes are there for like, Hey, I'm a beginner. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just find it really therapeutic. Um, so I think the, the more in my life is finding a a space where I can just be still and be present. And for my character, that is very hard thing for me to do. (sighs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, time does feel limited. If you're caring for your dad and you're caring for your kids and your marriage and your job and all of those things, time does feel limited. So sometimes finding and carving out space to do an art project probably can feel like, no, I could use that 15 minutes this way, or I could do this, or I could finish this email or get ahead on this thing. But I think like you're saying is when you make that choice so many times, you just start to, your bar gets lower and lower and lower and lower. And then you realize, wow, I'm, I'm my well's feeling kind of empty right now. Mm-hmm. And so I need to fill it up a bit. So I think that's a beautiful invitation and example. And I'm going to ask you about it in a couple of weeks. I'm going to ask Good, you, do it. what, what <laughs> aren't you done? And yeah, maybe we'll, you'll have people coming out of the woodworks from this podcast asking you. So this is the beginning of your yes. art journey. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, I just appreciate you taking the time. I mean, like we said, time is limited. So thank you for spending so much time just sharing your story and your thoughts and your theology, uh, but also just this invitation to Propel Ecclesia. I'll share a little bit in a few seconds, just the details about how to find out more and how to take those first steps. But I just appreciate you and it's an honor to be on your team. So thank you. Thank you for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Right back at you. It's been such a blessing. Okay, if you heard all of that and you're thinking that Propel Ecclesia is something you want to know more about or maybe that you want to be a part of the next cohort, you can visit propelwomen.org slash Ecclesia. That's E-C-C-L-E-S-I-A. And Bethany wanted me to invite you for sure to apply to be a part of the next cohort. So just to recap, each Propel Ecclesia cohort has nine to 12 women in it with one coach who has over 15 years of ministry experience. What you can expect from your experience in the program are monthly live webinars with world-class practitioners. I'm telling you, these are some of the best conversations on the planet with women in ministry right now. 
You can expect a three-day in-person summit, 24-7 access to a private online community, one-on-one coaching, applied learning exercises, in-depth small group coaching, as well as engagement with a diverse group of women in similar ministry contexts. That's just the highlights. There's even more to the program than that. And Propel is now accepting applications through August 1st for the next round of cohorts, which the next cohort will go from September 1st, 2023 through January 31st, 2024. You don't want to miss out on this. I'm telling you, this is such an amazing opportunity. And Bethany wanted me to share that there is a promo code to waive the application fee. So when you go to submit your application to be a part of the next cohort, you can type in the words free apply, all caps, no spaces, free apply to waive the application fee. And if you register or apply to be a part of the next cohort, please let me know. I'm so curious to hear which of you decide to jump in. And as always, if you have any questions or just want to reach out to me, all that information is in the episode description. Okay, until next time. <laughs>